you know, when, when I was going to seminary, um, one of my, we were, one of my uh, professors had us read this s- selection by John Wesley, and Wesley used to tell his, the pastors that he would train or that were he raised underneath him that, that if, you, if you are called to ministry, um, like maybe called to occupational ministry or called to leadership in ministry, that there are three things um, that you're, there are three things you better be prepared for. You better be prepared to preach, to pray, or to die on a moment's notice. Right? And as followers of Jesus, right, and as, as those who are on mission for Jesus to the people that are around us, even though Wesley kind of meant that for those who would be who would be pursuing occupational ministry, as those of us who are on mission for Jesus, we better be ready to preach, to pray, or to die um, for the cause of our faith, for the cause of what we believe in, at a moment's notice. And so, Rachel, thank you for being willing to pray at a moment's notice. Um, okay, so... Uh, a little peek into my week, which informed uh, the word I think that God has for us this morning. As as you know, every week is a little different, right? You go to you go to work throughout the week. Um, you interact with your family. You are you have outside activities from your home or extracurriculars or whatever. Some weeks, you feel like you're behind the entire time, right? Some weeks you feel like, all right, the schedule's a little, a little smoother, and I'm, I'm like hitting on all eight cylinders, and things are going well. You get to the weekend, you're like, it was a great week, I'm ready to have a great weekend. And then there's, and then there's everything in between, okay? Um, I, the, the front half of my week this past week was really like, exceptionally busy and, uh, and difficult, and, and so as I was getting into like the later sections of my week, like Wednesday, Thursday, um, and Friday is my, my Sabbath, my day off, so like Thursday is like my gotta get everything done for the week day. Um, I had gotten to Thursday, and I was wholly and totally overwhelmed with my week, and I hadn't gotten done like a quarter of the things that I had to do on my to-do list. And I was sitting at my desk on Thursday morning. I think I was maybe talking to my wife. Or, and I was expressing frustration over not feeling prepared to preach on Sunday. And the reason that I was, the reason that I was frustrated is I felt like I wasn't hearing from the Lord. You know, sometimes there's like this really clear really clear voice, really clear conviction um, of, of the Lord's presence and the Lord's direction and the Lord's voice in my life, I'm assuming in yours as well, where you know very succinctly what He's calling you to do, where He's calling you to be, or in my case, in my, weeks of, in my, in my preparation through the week, what He's calling me to preach. And I got to Thursday late afternoon, right, and I was, I was, um, she doesn't know I'm going to talk about her, but I was, I was driving to Stacy's house 
to get my hair cut, all right? And I was having a, a, a kind of heated discussion with the Lord um, about, about why, why I was not hearing his voice this week. Like, Lord, where are you? Like, I, I can't hear you. Like, I don't know if you know, but I got a busy weekend ahead. And I, like, you need to, you need to let me know. Like, what do you need, what, what do you want your people to hear this weekend? And, um, and I had kind of been praying that prayer throughout the day, uh, but was really like, we were having it out in my truck on the way over there. And I had kind of, um, I, I had heard, just, just about as I was about to pull into Stacy's driveway to get my haircut, I, I heard him say this to me. I said, um, you have been so distracted all week that you've just simply not heard me saying what I've been saying to you from the beginning. Um, and then I sat down in Stacy's chair and we began to talk and, and she had said something that like confirmed for me what the Lord had told me in the truck on the way there, which was like, I, she said something to the effect of, I really just want to hear the Lord on this. Like, I don't know, I can't hear him, like what he wants me to do or what he's saying to me. And all of it came like into this like, it, it collided all, all into a moment of like, all right, when we don't hear the Lord, or when we want to hear the Lord, but for whatever reason we can't, uh, what is happening? Because it happened in my life this week, all right? And I am, um, I am willing to bet that, that what the Lord spoke, spoke into my heart on that, on that really short argument that we had, was that, um, is that y you've been experiencing similar things as well at some point in your walk with the Lord. Where, where you want to hear from the Lord, but you don't know why you're not hearing from Him. And uh, you're wondering if the Lord is speaking or not. Um, there is this... There's this story in the Old Testament uh, in the book of 1 Kings. If you have a Bible, you can take it out and open it to 1 Kings. 1 Kings is at the front, relative front of your Bible. If you take your Bible and you split it in half, and then you take that front half and you split it in half again, you're going to get pretty close to 1 Kings. Um, We have Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, and then 1 Kings. Okay? We're going to hit 1 Kings chapter 19. And uh, we're going to somewhat paraphrase this story. Okay? Uh, because it recounts the experiences of the prophet Elijah. And if you recall, um, if you know anything about the story, right before we catch up with Elijah in 1 Kings 19, he had been on the mountain with the prophets of Baal and it essentially had challenged them to, all right, let's, let's prove or disprove whose God is real and whose God is fake. All right? And so this great challenge set up two altars, one altar to Baal, one altar uh, to the Lord God Almighty. 
and we'll, we'll, we'll pray to our gods and whatever altar lights on fire, then, um, then that essentially is the, the real and true God. All right? And, of course, the prophets of Baal, the hundreds of prophets of Baal, they're, they're wailing and praying and screaming and crying for Baal to light the, the altar on fire, and Elijah is over here. You remember the, if you remember this story, right? If you're not, I'll, I'll give you the Reader's Digest version. He's over here, right? And he's, he's taunting them, right? He's literally taunting the, the priests of Baal, the, the false god. And he was like, um, maybe he's sleeping and you just need to yell and pray a little louder. Um, <laughs> I kind of relate with this, like, the sarcasm of Elijah's like approach here, right? Um, and obviously the altar did not catch on fire. And then when it was Elijah's turn, he was like, okay, go down to the river, fill up all of these jars with water, and then come back up here, and I want you to dump the jars on this altar three times. Completely soak all of the wood. I want you to make this thing so soaked with water that there's a moat around it. Okay? Let's leave no question whatsoever what's going on here. And so he did that, and then Elijah prayed a prayer, Lord, essentially we want to see your glory here. Show yourself to be real. Show yourself to be the one true almighty God. And like in a pillar of fire, like the fire came down, and it exploded the altar. It burnt up the priests. Elijah finished the rest of them off with a sword. It's an interesting job description, um, but I can resonate. Um, and, and there was like this moment, right, where like for all intents and purposes, this huge spiritual win. And I have to imagine, as, as a man of God and as a man who has been a Pastor for 16 years, you know, guess what today is? Today's my six-year anniversary here. All right? Oh, but <laughs> as a pastor for 16 years, and as a man who's like knew that I was going to be a pastor since I was a junior in high school, like that's the kind of stuff they'd be like, Lord, that's what I want, right? I want that kind of experience. I want, I want to experience that outpour of your glory and your power. I want to see you in that type of way. Like, Lord, let, let Elijah's, Elijah's experience with the prophets of Baal, I want that to be my experience. Not really counting the cost of that, of course. but And I think if we're honest with ourselves, and if I'm honest with myself, if I look at all of Scripture, and I see all of the miraculous ways and the mighty ways in which God moved and, and acted both in Old Testament and in New Testament, I, I find myself saying, Lord, let me, let me see you and experience you in that way. Let me, let me ha like, download that glory here, Lord. I want to know it, and I want to see it, and I want to experience it. Well, what we often forget is what happened in 1 Kings chapter 19 is that right after Elijah had this experience, this awesome experience of God, he had a target on his back, 
right? And he fled for his life from King Ahab. Verse 3, Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there. And then he himself went a day's journey into the desert. He came to a broom tree, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. Like, Elijah, bro, you just had like the moment of all moments. And now, when your life is threatened, you run like crazy and lay down under a tree and be like, I just want to die. I don't. I don't want anything. I, I don't want this anymore. Like, look, I, there's a reason here, okay? There's a reason. Um, I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the tree and fell asleep. I don't know about you, but when I'm really depressed, <laughs> a nap is what I want to do. I'm just going to escape this for a little bit and go to lay down and sleep. All at once, an angel touched him, said, Get up and eat. He looked around. There by his head was a cake of bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time, touched him, and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Side note, it, it amazes to me how compassionate, how attentive, and how gentle the Spirit of the Lord is with Elijah in his moments of like depression and fear and desire to escape. That it was not a, man, you're so ungrateful. Did you see what I just did for you back there? Do you remember what I accomplished? Like, why are you the way that you are? Why can't you just pull yourself up by your bootstraps and get along with it? Why, why are you doing this? Like, shame on you, shame on you, shame on you, shame on you. See, that's the voice of the enemy that speaks that into our lives. But the actual spirit and presence of, the God, of God is one that nurtures us, cares for us, is gentle and attentive for us, even in those moments where we are expressing the depth of our own human weakness and only wanting to lay under a tree and basically die. The Lord's like, nope, we're going to get you shipped up, shaped out. Like, shaped up, shipped out. Here we go. Bread, water, drink, eat. Okay, take another nap. Okay, wake up. Bread, water, eat, drink. Now, now go. And so he does. He got up and ate, drank, strengthened by that food. He traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached um, the mountain of God. In verse 9, 1 Kings chapter 9, He went into a cave and spent the night. Here's what happens, okay? And the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? What, like, what are you doing? And Elijah says this, he replied, look, I've been really zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites rejected your covenant, broke down your altars, put your prophets to death with the sword, and I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. 
So Elijah vents his frustration over the situation. All right? But I want to look even deeper, like, into this. Because I think there's this sense in Elijah's life where he was, maybe for the first time, noticing that there, was a, there, there is a gap between seeing, experiencing, being part of a miraculous move of God, and having a personal experience of God's presence with you. Having both the inner witness and the outer witness that God is like, not over there doing big miraculous things that I can witness and see, but here with me, even to the point of being, through His Holy Spirit, being in me. You see, Elijah had experienced a move of God or an act of God, but it seems that in his frustration, in his fear, in his depression, he was almost implicitly, and I think you can make the argument explicitly, asking God, hey, where are you with me actually in this moment? Not how are you showing yourself to be in front of all the people that don't believe you, but like, are you with me? Do you care about me personally? Do you see me? And I think that's what Elijah, when he says, hey look, I'm like the only one that's been faithful here. All of Israel has broken your covenant. None of them have followed you except me. And I'm here, and why do I feel like this, Lord? Where are you? Why can't, why can't I hear you? Why can't I feel you? Why can't I sense you with me? Again, God's answer to him was not, a, man, this guy. This guy. In gentleness, okay? What does he say to Elijah? Go out, verse 11, 1 Kings 11, go out, stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Okay, Elijah. Want my presence? Need my voice? Desperate for that assurance that I am with you, you're about to get it. Now, here is the question for me, for you, for all of us. If the Lord was like, all right, Cameron, need to see me? Need to hear me? You want to hear my voice? You want to see me? You, you want to truly experience me in your, like, as a person, like who you are deep down into your very soul? Okay. Go out to the edge of the mountain because I'm, I'm about to pass by. 
And I, I mean, like, there's this sense where I'd be like, <laughs> you know, like, like, you better duck and cover, right? Because the Lord's going to come in the pillar of fire. Or the Lord, the Lord is going to split this sea wide open and in a big, enormous, huge, miraculous way, I am going to hear the Lord as if he was yelling to me through a loudspeaker on like the most extreme volume you could ever have. And that's what you want, right? Is that what you want? Right? You want, you want the loudest expression of God's presence and voice in your life. That's what I want, right? I want like no denying it. How does the Lord come then to Elijah? Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart, shattered the rocks before the Lord. Okay, yeah, now we're talking, right? <laughs> now we're talking. But the Lord was not in the wind. After that, an earthquake came. It's got to be him, right? And then after the earthquake, a fire came. Well, definitely him then. But the Lord was not in the earthquake, and the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came this. Y'all listening? A gentle whisper. Hallelujah. Amen. A gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and stood out at the mouth of the cave. And the voice said to him again, Essentially, like repeating myself, hey, what are you doing here now? Uh, the question that I asked, had to ask myself on, on Thursday afternoon, which was really a rhetorical question because the Lord had already answered it for me, was I wanted this like big download of revelation right? This big pillar of fire. This big earthquake of sermon inspiration, right? And, and because I wasn't getting those things, I was like, Lord, hello. I've been preaching every week for 16 years. I've been serving and serving and serving. I'm tired, Lord. Why aren't, why aren't you speaking to me? And the question was, is not so much like, is the Lord speaking? It's not, here's the question. Do we, do we not hear God, which has everything to do with us, right? Or, or is God not speaking? Maybe, maybe put it a little bit differently. What is more likely is it more likely that God has nothing to say to us? Or is it more 
is it more likely that we have essentially abandoned the opportunities and places that he has given us to hear him? Which one is more likely? I know the one that is more likely in, in my life is that I have, in some instances, willfully abandoned my opportunity to hear the gentle whisper of the Lord because I have so filled my life with white noise that I am demanding that He come to me in the earthquake, in the wind, and the fire so that I can keep in my mind and spirit all of the distraction of life but still keep up with the schedule that I have. And it's not that the Lord is not speaking it's that I'm abandoning the places and the opportunities where he is speaking most clearly. Here's a, a few places, all right, um, or a few instances where you're not going to like this, right, because I don't really like it. You're not going to like this because it's like the classic pastoral answer when someone asks me or says, I just don't hear the Lord speak to me. I just don't hear the Lord speak. And, and, and my statement, or essentially my question is this, is like, listen, God is always and eternally speaking to us through his word. Always. I don't hear the Lord. No, let's change that statement. I'm not in Scripture. I don't hear the Lord. Um, the Lord is always speaking. So if we're not hearing Him, we need to ask the question of what opportunity to hear him speak, have we, do we abandon most readily? We most readily abandon his word. This is, that's all, almost always the first place, right? That we, that we abandon the voice of the Lord is the word. Because he is always speaking to us through his word, through scripture. In fact, uh, I think if you've been in church any amount of time, if you haven't, that's okay too. Um, but if you have have been, you've probably heard um, uh, someone teach or even preach on this scripture is 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 through 16. Uh, Paul, in his letter to his kind of protege, Timothy, says this, As for you, continue in what you have learned and become convinced of, because you know those from whom you have learned it, and how from infancy... You have known the Holy Scriptures, listen, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. All, all of Scripture, all of God's Word is God, God breathed, right? His, his, his very Spirit, the same, the same word that Paul uses here, um, is the same Hebrew transliteration of God's Spirit used, right? That God's, God's very presence 
has breathed life into his word, and therefore his word has become useful for, for teaching us, for, for rebuking us, for correcting us, for training us in righteousness so that, the, so that the person of God may be thoroughly, thoroughly, not partially, not, not you'll hear God a little bit, not God will form you um, a, a piece of the pie, no, but, but you will be thoroughly equipped for every good work. When you persevere in hearing the voice of God in the presence of Scripture. Here is a, another brief one. Um, it is the most unscientific, which kind of messes with our heads, right? In like 21st century, post-enlightenment, prove everything to me type of culture. Um, is this, is that God, when, when, you, when you express faith in Jesus Christ, all right, when you, ask, when you ask Jesus Christ to be the Lord of your life, you surrender yourself to him, right? And, and in the presence of that surrender and through the water of baptism, the Lord, the Lord gives you his spirit and you, his spirit becomes your spirit, right? Um, then then, then, then we, we use language or we talk about it like this, that, that God's spirit begins to testify or speak to your spirit, right? In fact, Paul... Paul talks, um, Paul talks about this in, in Romans chapter 8. He says that the, that the Spirit of God testifies to your spirit that you are a child of Him. I mean, meaning you have this internal affirmation or, or confirmation that comes from God's Spirit that speaks to your spirit saying that, no, you are mine. I am your Father. You are my child. I love you. I care for you. I am here. Right? And here's something that as followers of Jesus we must like we must become accustomed to is is the process of discerning our gut instinct in moments where we're asking God to reveal himself or speak to us and then we get just like this, oh, I kind of got this feeling. You know, I just, this like intuition, this, this sense. Right? And, and listen, this is a measure of our faith growing, right? And us expressing faith in the promises of God in Scripture that His Spirit is in us when we can say, you know, I'm not so sure that that's just a gut instinct. I think that's the Spirit of God testifying to my spirit about this particular thing. I think that the Lord, I think that the Lord is speaking to me. See, the, the gut intuition or instinct of every follower of Jesus is not a gut intuition or instinct. It's the Spirit of God speaking into your life. Okay? And, and listen, what, you know why we don't talk like this? You know why as Christians we don't talk? We are terrified of being wrong. Terrified. 
Because we think that, we think that if we like, we, you know, I think that's the Lord telling me to do that, or say that, or speak to that person, or take that job, or be about that thing, right? And then for some reason, it doesn't go right, or it doesn't go well. Um, it kind of throws our whole faith perspective into a washing machine, and then we automatically feel like, oh, I must have... I must just not be a good Christian. I must not have enough faith. I must have this or I must have that. Listen, all of our faith is a, is a growing journey of us recognizing the Spirit of God, speaking into our heart, speaking into our lives, sanctifying our relationships, sanctifying our mind, sanctifying our words and our life, and gradually over the period of time transforming us into the image and likeness of Jesus, his son. It is not an all-or-nothing thing where you're auto- you automatically have arrived at the moment of receiving faith in Jesus. It is, it is progressively God changing you and conditioning your spirit to recognize and hear his spirit in your life. We must test and practice listening and following the Spirit of God in our lives. Not, it is not wrong, it is not bad to get it wrong. It's not. It, it, is, not, it is not somehow an indication of, of how of how bad of a Christian you are, or how good of a Christian you are. This is quite literally what we mean when we say things like we're really discerning the will or the voice of God. That's not just some like Christianese word to help us vocabularize you know, what we're going through in our faith. It is actually indicative of us being like, you know, I really am getting this sense that the Lord is saying this thing, I'm going to walk in faith by it. And in the process of walking in that faith, we'll discern whether or not it actually was the Lord. And if it, and if it was the Lord, then we have learned something, right? And if it, if it wasn't the Lord, then guess what? Then we have learned something. Now there are some very obvious things that are of the Lord and not of the Lord. Okay? So if you are getting this gut instinct to do something that the Word of God has already spoken and revealed to you that you shouldn't do, right? Then guess what? That's a discerning moment where you can say, yeah, that ain't the Holy Spirit, right? <laughs> like, I really just got this, this instinct or this intuition that God needs me to steal this money. Bro, that ain't the Holy Spirit. That's like some bad Johnny's lunch or something. Like, <laughs> something's going on here. That ain't it. So we can be, we can affirm and reaffirm and discern and test the Spirit of God in our lives through the affirming presence of His revealed Word, but we can also ask those in the Lord that we trust what do you think about this? Hey, Bryce, I, 
I really feel like the Lord is telling me something. Would you pray with me and for me on this and give me like your give me your like best spirit-filled opinion on it. We can ask people, right? That God has given given us to each other. Listen, I know I'm running long, but this is um This has been like, this has been a, a deep lesson that I have learned, it seems like in a quick moment this week, that I feel we, we, we need to hear, okay? You need to hear this, right? Because so many of us are, I don't hear the Lord, I don't hear the Lord, I don't hear the Lord, why isn't he talking, why isn't he talking, I don't know what to do, I don't know what to do, like, get in your word, get in the word, he's speaking here. Right? Trust the testifying of the Holy Spirit to your own spirit and don't be afraid to get it wrong. Right? But listen, here's this. You also need to understand this. Right? And this is probably the one thing that the one major lesson that I have learned this week is that I have embraced an actively distracted life. I have, I have willfully, I have, I have willfully kept my mind loud, distracted, and disconnected from the spiritual reality of God speaking into my life. And so when I get to a moment of being like, Lord, I can't hear, he's been like, I've been trying to reach you about your car's warranty all week. Right? No, but like, I've been trying to reach you all week if you would stop scrolling Instagram for a half a stinking second. You may hear me. It would be funny if it weren't true. Because it's, it's, because it's so true, it's just kind of sad. That we, that we willfully, we willfully embrace a life that is so full, that is so distracted, that is so disconnected from the voice of God, that he could probably scream and we wouldn't necessarily hear it. But the fact that he whispers... We're definitely not going to. So, number one, I, I would encourage you to um, ask the Lord and to consider where you may have embraced an actively distracted life. I, I am still, like, the Lord and I are still kind of fighting. I'll be completely candid with you about it. Like, the Lord and I are still candidly kind of fighting about whether or not, like, for me, who, like, balance is not one of my strongest personal attributes, right? I'm like, either 
100% or I'm like, meh. Okay? Balance, I just pray for me. Balance is not one of my strongest attributes. But like, Lord and I are kind of fighting right now about whether or not, like, just to completely, like, hit the nuclear button on all my social media. Just be like, yeah, I don't, it's not benefiting my relationship with the Lord even a little bit. Or whether, and, and it's kind of like dashboard confessionals with your pastor this morning, right? Um, or whether it's like my fight with the Lord. It's like, but Lord, I can just leverage social media for so many great kingdom purposes if I just use it in the right way. He's like, you're not using it in the right way. I probably shouldn't be on social media anymore, huh? Um, <laughs> Well, listen, so consider that for yourselves, too. Um, why don't we hear the Lord? We've largely, largely abandoned the gift of Sabbath. We've, we've largely abandoned the gift of Sabbath, and we have instead, like, signed up full force to the cult of busyness. Like, if there's an opening in the schedule, you better jam something in it really quick. And my intuition on this um, is that we have become really uncomfortable with silence. And we've become really uncomfortable with stillness. And we've become really uncomfortable with moments where we have nothing to do, and so we must simply be. And if we are not comfortable simply being, we absolutely will fill every nook and cranny of our schedule with something else. So that we're not put in this uncomfortable moment of like, I have nothing else to do, so all I can do is sit here and hear the Lord. And, and that starts with a, a, abandoning a, the gift of Sabbath that the Lord gives to us. I want to put a few things together here this morning, okay? And then we're going to close. God, although we would love him to, does not necessarily, primarily, speak to us through the rushing loud wind that breaks all the rocks or the bursting fire or the earthquake, or the like parting the clouds type of moment. God, God very often speaks to us as he did Elijah in that moment in a gentle whisper. And, and when the psalmist says in, in, 40, in Psalm 46, verse 10, he says, 
Um, to know God, saying it backwards, right? To know God, we must be still. Be still and know that I am God. What he is, what he is expressing here, right, is that in our stillness, when we, when we actively take steps to remove distraction, to be, simply be, before the Lord, it is not difficult to hear the gentle whisper of God's voice in our lives when we are still. When our schedules are still. When our minds are still. When we are embracing the gift of Sabbath that He has given to us. When we are actively allowing Him to speak to us in His Word. When we are walking by faith in the Holy Spirit intuition that He has given to us. It is in those Moments of stillness and silence that we hear the Lord. In a very real and connected way, uh, we could preach about this even like a whole series about this. This is why we struggle with prayer. Lord, I can't, I can't concentrate in prayer. I can't, I, I just can't, like I, I pray for five seconds and then I like, whoo, squirrel, you know. <laughs> prayer requires a comfortableness with silence. Now, listen, God is gracious and God is gentle God is kind and forbearing. Um, God is not mad at you. God is not shaming you because you are struggling to hear Him, because you feel like you can't hear Him, or because you are so extremely busy that you do not have time to hear Him. But what God is doing is asking, pleading, really, for you to experience and receive the gift of His presence and His voice. It's like a He wants to give Himself fully to you. He wants that for you. He's asking you not to forfeit it. Please don't forfeit this gift that I want to give to you. Please don't fill your life with so much that you don't have room to receive the very thing that will actually make your life make sense. 
everything that you've ever desired, everything that you've ever wanted, everything that you have ever needed, everything that your soul has ever not known how to express, you will find when you find the Lord. There is not a hole. There is not a crack. There is not a brokenness, right, that he will not mend, that he will not heal, that he will not fill. Every single need, desire, darkness, depression, anxiety, fear that you have when offered to the Lord he will carry it, he will heal it, he will mend it, he will fill it, he will change you. The greatest gift, of course, the greatest gift that, that God ever offered to us was not some material thing that we, you know, we get this, I got a gift this morning. Not some material thing that we get and that we hold, right? The greatest gift that God offers to us is himself. He offers us the gift of himself. And he offered us the gift of himself in Jesus. Now, when we come together as a community, we celebrate the incarnated life of Jesus amongst us and in us through His Spirit. We worship. We, we, um, we praise. We glorify. We magnify the Lord. Uh, and we also have opportunity to proclaim Again, in another way, as we've been proclaiming with baptisms all month, you know, all last month, but we have an opportunity again to proclaim the gift of God in Jesus Christ this morning as, as we take together the gift, we receive together the gift of communion. When the night that Jesus was in, his upper, uh, in the upper room with his disciples, Immediately before he would be betrayed, arrested, tried, and crucified, he shared a meal with them. And he took a loaf of bread, which would have been typical for them, right? And he broke the bread. And then he gave the bread to his disciples. And he said, Take and eat of this bread, all of you. This is my body, which will be broken for you. And then as he did with the bread, he took a cup, and he gave thanks to his heavenly Father for the cup, and then he gave the cup to his disciples and said to them, Take and drink of this cup, all of you. This is my blood which has been poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of your sins. Do it and do it often in remembrance of me. And I got to imagine that those with him that night 
sat in a place of maybe amazement, knowing the disciples probably a little bit of confusion. What is he talking about? Right? But the confusion became all the more real in the next, you know, in the next days as Jesus experienced what he experienced. And then maybe for that moment or in that moment, they remembered the meal and the offering that Christ, that Jesus gave to them. And so as we come this morning, I want us to recall that just as Jesus did with them, Jesus is offering you a gift. Jesus offered the bread to his disciples. Take this, I, I give this to you. This is my body, right? Which has been broken for you. And Jesus offers himself the brokenness of his body as a gift to you this morning. And he offers... The, as he offered the, the cup to his disciples, he offers the shedding of his blood for the forgiveness of your sins to you this morning. And, and we come to this table, yes, in an attitude of reverence for the gift of God through Jesus Christ that has been offered to us, but also in anticipation and expectation at celebration that God has offered us the gift of life and we are here to receive it. Often when we um, share communion together, there is a question of like, well, who can come forward and who can't? And you do not need to be a member of Conduit. You do not need to be a member of any church to receive communion with us this morning. You need only to be willing, to be ready, and to desire the gift of God offered to you in Jesus Christ, the brokenness of his body and the shedding of his blood for the forgiveness of your sins. If you desire to receive, either for the first time or the 500th time, the celebration of God's gift to you in Jesus Christ, then you are welcome at this table. Well, can my kids come up? They don't really understand that whole theological, like, stuff that... Listen, I don't fully understand, okay, the theological stuff that happened. What I do understand is that by faith, God has offered his son Jesus to me and that I am here to receive it in this moment, okay? And so whatever measure of faith is possible for you or your children to express this morning, God makes himself in Jesus Christ available to each and every person without exception, without condition of intellectual understanding or knowledge, God offers himself to you. So whether this is your first step of faith or your 500th, we welcome you this morning to receive it.